Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Malcolm! I never met anybody that keeps their feelings so locked up. I let my feelings come out my music. Yeah, well, maybe if you let your feelings out in real life, then your music would be even better. Don't talk. Try to visualize. You're looking up, and there it is, gold, beautiful moon. And I'm coming down, you guys are playing. It's a stupid idea. I'm a fast worker. You're not uh, that much resistance. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. You like that? I knew you would. They say I'm a wonderful lover. I like women, but I don't need them. That's the way it is, and you're a true artist. Why Emmett Ray? Because, because, because he was interesting. Sort of pathetic in a way. He was flamboyant and obnoxious, and he was funny. To me, Emmett Ray was a fascinating character. I'm, I'm Emmett Ray. I'm the greatest guitar player in the world. It, one of the interesting things about it is that it's a fictional mockumentary, um, you, you know, about a guy uh, who is a, a jazz guitarist in the 1920s named Emmett Ray. And one of the interesting things I always found about it was when I first watched this, uh, you know, 10 years ago or, or whatever, uh, I did not realize until well into the third act that this was not a real guy. <laughs> And, and I thought yeah. that Woody Allen had done a really terrific job of really convincing you that the, that this was a real that this was a real person. Once they start getting into the more outrageous hijinks and everything, I was like thinking, well, you know, I don't I don't know if you know who would have been around <laughs> to see all that, uh, you know. And, I, and then I looked it up and like, oh, and so the and, and since that point, I come I've come to really like the music of of Django Reinhardt, who is largely the inspiration for this character. And the guy's sort of a, a drifter who uh, falls in love with a mute woman played by Samantha Morton. And the movie just kind of meanders around with him. And I could see maybe some people finding that frustrating. 
Uh, but it's a very different Woody Allen film. It doesn't feel as pointed as, as some of the work he was doing around this time. But this was well acclaimed when it came out. We mentioned mm-hmm. you. You said he he would never. <laughs> He would never get nominated for an Academy Award again. Um, you know, funnily enough, like this movie, I believe, was quite a surprise when it showed up for uh, for uh, Sean Penn and Samantha Morton, uh, especially. Um, you know, I don't think people were expecting that in 1999. That was a pretty packed field. And I don't think they mm-hmm. thought that something as slight as this was going to um, get mentioned in that way. And it really goes to show you how much of a oscar juggernaut like he was at the time like he would basically almost always show up uh for best screenplay he you know uh not for this movie but but he quite often would get nominated there and it is like you said it is so funny like the same exact people uh you know nominating him for every single screenplay uh you know the same exact people now it's like oh well if they must pay penance for for (laughs) it's not just it's not good enough to not work with him ever again you must now pay penance for those films that you were you were in with uh, Kate Blanchett you must now pay the penance for uh, Blue Jasmine or whatever uh, which I don't know how that's gonna work uh, I mean I don't I don't see Hugh Jackman you know years from now going uh, you know and I have now paid my penance for working with uh, uh, what's his name the Brian, Brian Singer, Singer. Yeah. Uh, I don't um, see that really happening so maybe you know maybe people can just I don't know grow up and be well, adults about no 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 that won't that will not happen um, what here's how Hugh Jackman can is he can uh, sign a, a 10 film contract to reprise the role of Wolverine with the Marvel Universe and that then they will say okay now you you must serve out your term here and give us more more Wolverine and uh, you know that'll counteract all of the uh, I guess the singer versions of Wolverine but um I like. I, don't, I guess I don't like what you said about this being slight, but it is. Like it's it's one that is. It's hard to remember um, specific beats of it because I, I don't think there are any like particular killer scenes. Uh, it just has a pleasant or unpleasant mood. I mean, he's a very unpleasant lead character, uh, and I think Sean Penn is for the most part very. Or you know, he has the. Uh, sort of reputation of being an unpleasant person. So this kind of <laughs> fits like a glove as far as him playing this uh, egotistical and combative artist. Uh, but man, Samantha Morton, um, she she's very memorable here. She she kills it in this. Like that's actually like a really good bit of uh, trivia, Oscar trivia that she she was a surprise nomination because she she is. Uh, it was actually she's so good here to me that it's kind of depressing that she's not. Uh, bigger, uh, or she didn't get as big as I think she should have based on this. And um, I'm trying to think what other like work that she she wanted to do after this. I know she was in Minority Report, but that was kind of a thankless part. See, I really like her in Minority Report, and yeah, it's a small part. Uh, but just like this, you know, it's it's challenging in that she's very restricted by what uh, what mm-hmm. sort of emotion she can play and everything. And, and it was definitely. You know, I thought she was very successful in that. Yeah, she hasn't been in a whole lot. Oh, she's been, she's shown up in The Walking Dead. There we go. That's when you know you've reached bottom, you know. (laughs) Season 11 of The Walking Dead. We're still, we're still walking with the dead. We don't know what's going on. Uh (laughs) Who will Um, die next? Um, Yeah. Morton's career, apparently. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah, just not um, not a lot of I guess interesting work. She was in um, the same year as Minor Minority Report. She was in uh, in America. Uh, the mm-hmm. uh, Jim yeah. Sheridan. Uh, I never saw that. I, I there was a, a couple of uh, I think David Poland was a, a film journalist I followed at the time that was very very high on this movie. I think that might have been his top film of that year, but I, I never caught up with it. Um, but Sweet and Low Down. <sighs> I, I I don't know. Like, do you, is this just a product of Woody Allen? At least you know the the Woody Allen of old, uh, working so much, uh, producing, uh, putting together a film a year that you know even when there's one that like I find this to be like very entertaining and I enjoy my time with it. Uh, but it definitely recedes uh, in my mind and doesn't stick with me um, like. Um, Certainly, something like crimes and misdemeanor, um, even interiors. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't have the uh, uh, the 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 sort of heavy hitting aspect of it. Um, and I'm not saying that it's as well. I don't want to say bad, but um, did you ever see the one that Quentin Tarantino uh, loved? I'm sure you have. You're a huge Woody Allen fan. Uh, <laughs> anything else? I think is that the one with Jason Biggs. And, oh, I really like that one. Christina and I, I didn't know Tarantino was a fan of it, but you I, know that makes me respect Tarantino more. So. That was like one of his like I think favorite films of the uh, 2000s. I think. Have you never <laughs> Have you never seen it? I watched it. Um, and it wasn't uh, Tarantino because that was just all I knew about it, and I never chased it down because I thought well, it was just him being an oddball. Um, but I, it came on some streaming service like earlier this year, and I think it's one of his like funniest films. Like oh, I yeah. actually really like the funny. relationship. Like uh, <laughs> Richie is fantastic in that. I love her her character. Um, so yeah, Tarantino and, and I guess you uh, are also correct in that one. Um, so I don't I don't know where I put Sweet and Low Down. It's it's definitely like very performance driven, and I I liked it quite a bit. But um, it it does not you know enter into my like probably even like top ten you know sort of Woody Allen films, which he's obviously had a great number of uh, truly great films. But um, as much as I enjoyed it, I can see it. I can see you know putting that uh, that word slight on it, and not necessarily taking it as an insult either. It's much more of a character piece, I think, than than some of his other movies. And I know that sounds strange, um, you know, in talking about, about Woody Allen. But when you think back on it, you know, they're usually not built around a, a very, like, specific, unique central character. Usually he's, like, the central character and he's kind mm. of an everyman of, of some kind. Or, you know, like, like, like Crimes and Misdemeanors, like what you were saying. Uh, he's not really as distinctive as this guy here. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would largely agree with you. It, it's a very in, like enjoyable film, but it's not a Woody Allen film that I would feel the need to revisit a lot. Um, at the same time, yeah, both actors are, are really good and strong here. And I, I, I like this idea, uh, this, this repeated idea of him saying he's the best guitarist in the world, except some guy, um, mm-hmm. in France, uh, some hobo in France or something, whatever the, whatever the line is. It made me think a lot about Inside Lewin Davis and hmm. the contrast between this and that movie. In this movie, Woody Allen really sees himself in uh, in this guy's shoes. He might even uh, um, be jealous of this guy for being this, you know, uh, brilliant guitar hero that no one heard, no one knows, uh, who can show up at a talent contest and win it, uh, and disguise himself or whatever, so no one knows who he is. Um, 
in 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 inside Lewin Davis, uh, the Cohen brothers, you know, are very careful to never put themselves in in the shoes of that guy. Uh, you know, even making him such a monster that he does that horrible thing near the end of that movie um, involving the cat. Uh, without spoiling it, um, you know, which which well, was a dividing point for a lot of people on that film. Uh, they've probably and, never yeah, been ahead. as big of a loser as that character. Like, I, that's just... that's yeah, that's always been my. That's why I find that movie frustrating is because I think the Coen Brothers have no ability to to empathize with the starving artist, whereas I think Woody Allen has some ability to do hmm. that. It's an interesting point. Um, I had a friend that loved uh, Inside Llewyn Davis. And, um, I told him, I, I, like, I came out and watched it and I was like, yeah, it seems like something you would really like. And I, um, <laughs> I, I made the mistake of saying like, you know, that, that the main character reminds me of you, like, uh, cause he was, <laughs> he was, he was like a funny guy, but he had that, uh, very sort of nihilistic. He had that very bleak, dark sense of humor on life. Like <laughs> anything that can go wrong in my life assuredly will, um, and nothing will ever work out for me. Uh, but he was, you know, he was strangely, you know, pleasant to be around. Like it was just the way he had accepted it and the way he sort of put it out there to the world. Uh, you just took him as sort of a funny guy. Um, and he came back and, uh, watched it. And I'm like, what'd you, what'd you think? You know, was my comparison correct? And he was like, I think that's the biggest loser I've ever seen on screen. And he was like, your, your comparison was spot on. <laughs> I was just like, Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a conversation I didn't mean to have, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I think, I think you're right that, um, you know, the movie I thought of was, uh, the age of innocence, uh, which is a strange, probably a strange one, but, um, I, I wasn't like extremely high on that movie. Like, you, you know how I feel about, you know, a period piece. And it's certainly an, an outlier as far as uh, when you think of Scorsese. Uh, but the thing that really stuck with me, uh, so uh, spoiler for um, kind of, I guess, for the Age of Innocence is um, the the end. The Like, uh, it might actually be the, <clears throat> the, the final, like, you know, shot. Um, is you know him staring he has a the, the main character in that film has a decision to make to to uh i don't know if you'd say move forward but to 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 reconnect with someone um and earlier while he's sort of deliberating this uh he's staring looking uh i believe at a painting and he's talking about his age and i think he's like 53 and he keeps repeating it like a mantra like i'm only 53 i'm only 53 like basically I have plenty of life left. Like I can still, I can still do this. I can still seek happiness in that film. He, he doesn't like he, you know, he just, it's within his grasp. It's totally within his power to do so. And he chooses not to. And this one is probably less, I don't know if it's less melodramatic, but you know, there is an attempt here by uh, Ray to reconnect after he's chosen He's chosen Uma Thurman, which I'm not going to knock him for that, <laughs> but he does it so like, uh, it's just so offhandedly that he lets this woman know that he actually does have a connection with the character played by Samantha Morton, uh, that he just had to get married to Uma Thurman, just had to be done. <clears throat> and <clears throat> inevitably when she steps out on him and you know moves to someone with more power and more uh, wealth, uh, he attempts to reconnect and Hattie. Samantha, Samantha Morton characters moved on and the film ends with him, you know, playing the song that she really likes. And then he smashes his guitar and just keeps 
repeating himself. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Now, I think that's less glamorous and less uh, poetic <laughs> than the Age of Innocence. But uh, that's probably you know the the moment that would stick out as far as someone who can be so self-destructive and yet so romantic at the same time. Or he has glimpses of romance, but uh, inevitably he would self-destruct again. Um, I think that's that, that's a you know that's a character worth following on on film, and that's that's probably the 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 one scene that I would I would take away from it. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, that was very well said. Um, one of the things I think people forget uh, in all the discussions of, I don't know, Woody Allen's personal life and blah, 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 and all that. Um, one, one of the things I think people forget is just how influential uh, he was, um, you know, as a filmmaker. Uh, and hopefully hopefully still is. I mean, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll see another... Uh, you know, movie that, that, that achieves that same level of influence. But you look back on like husbands and wives and I mistakenly said, this is the only mockumentary he had ever made, but I completely forgot uh, Z league and uh, mm. take the money and run, which are both mockumentaries as well. Uh, and, and, you know, he really, he really pioneered like that kind of genre of, of filmmaking. Um, you know, I, I would even say like the popularity of, you know, the office and parks and recreation, they owe a lot to uh, Woody Allen. Um, you know, he really brought that kind of style of filmmaking into 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 the mainstream. Um, you know, movies that did that, you know, and that like fictional narratives and everything that did that were thought of as, as kind of experimental, uh, like, like Medium Cool uh, or some of the Robert Altman movies that, that I like a lot. Um, they were not thought of as as, you know, movies that could get major Oscar nominations or, or, you know, be seen by, uh, by a wide audience in the way that, that Woody, Woody Allen was able to make them appeal. Um, and yeah, anything else was like, I, I thought that was like the weirdest reception that, that a movie, uh, c- could have. I remember some of the criticisms against it being that Christina Ricci, um, is too young to know who Humphrey Bogart is. And mm. and I just think that's like how is that not a sexist criticism? Like I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like we're not talking about we're not talking about like like Kierkegaard or something. Like we're not talking about <laughs> something like really obscure here. Like she's discussing a Humphrey Bogart movie, and and that's considered like oh well that's this is just this is just Woody Allen's you know make believe <laughs> fantasy of of the way women uh, talk, um, you know. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I don't I you know I didn't pay attention to the. Uh... Uh, I guess the the release of anything else. Uh, I saw horrific. it. In, I saw it in theaters actually. Uh, I, I'm thinking he was coming off of like was it like the Curse of the Jade Scorpion? Um, I don't know what uh, was prior to that, but um, I, I guess I was just taking out. Uh, you know, my disinterest basically stemmed from uh, Jason Biggs as the lead, where I'm like, yeah, I don't know about this. Um, but uh, it, it was it was really good. I, I really enjoyed that one. That that is one. Uh, sorry to sweeten low down. That I probably would uh, <laughs> give uh, quite a few more rewatches uh, for that one. Is there? Uh, you know, this is the part where I prod you. Is there like a good uh, physical release of anything else, or just bare bones? No, I no. Um, I think the only physical release is, is is from another country, and it doesn't use the right aspect ratio. Uh, they crop oh, it weirdly. 
So there is no good physical release hmm. of anything else ever. Well, thank um, you to so there you go. Uh, stars or whoever it was <laughs> <laughs> that put it on the recommends. Like, hey, you look like an anything else guy. And I'm like, all right, I'm watching this tonight, which is uh, increasingly a rare occurrence. I'm just watching stuff uh, not for a podcast, which is <clears throat> prison of my own making. But that was that was a good time at the movies. Um, all right. I, th- I think that'll I think that'll do it. Uh, what's what's up next? Done it before right. you you did that to me before, so now I get to do that to you now. And uh, you're doing it to me when I have nothing in front of me. So it's pretty uh, easy though, because I think we already brought it up in the last episode, right? Oh, so now you're letting me sort of guess again. Uh, so let me. I'll just guess by giving you the clue. Um, <laughs> what's, what's the clue I could use here? Uh, his name is not Ralph. How about that? His name is not Ralph. I may be thinking <laughs> of a different movie. Uh, Okay, so not a good clue. Uh, nope, nope, I'm I'm right. Uh, and oh, actually, Rafe. Okay, okay, I get go. it. I get yep. it. Uh, the end of the so the movie is the end of the affair, and you were talking about the lead actor, Rafe Fines. Yep. Who who might be some people might call him Ralph Fines. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know who, but you know, but also has Julianne Moore, yep. uh, who we talked about in the last episode. Uh, another just like. This was like, you know, in some ways, I think she was a little over overexposed in this year. Um, I remember I remember my mom saying negative comments about her, that she was like in everything. Uh, and and <laughs> you know, it comes off really weird uh, today because she's, you know, considered, you know, one of the best. And yeah, The End of the Affair, Neil Jordan. It's based on. Uh, uh, have, have you seen the original by chance? I have not. No, it's not I've popular, so I'm not surprised by that. So, yeah. Um, um. Are you surprised? This is also a uh, a two hander. This is a two part. Oh, I am. Yeah. Those are uh, always really surprising me. <laughs> uh, when I look at what's coming later, this is probably a mistake <laughs> to put these two together. Uh, your second clue, second film. Uh, this um, also has an actress that is uh, in quite uh, a number of things uh, now. Uh, probably more so than Julianne Moore. Uh, she would also be an Academy Award-winning actress, just uh, probably somewhere in the five-year range. I don't know when she, she captured that. Um, Girl interrupted? Or no, no, that's pretty pretty good guess. Uh, same sort of generation. Um, uh, she uh, is. Uh, you got one? Is it the War Zone? No, no. <laughs> I am just pulling up the list right now. Tumbleweeds. Nope. Um, uh. She's dating Paul Rudd at the beginning of this film. Girl, oh no, wait, I already guessed that. Uh, cider, no. Um, yes, yes. It's Cider House get, Rules? Yeah, yeah. Paul Rudd's in that? I do not remember yeah. that. Wow. Yeah, yeah that, that's a weird pairing, Cider House Rules and End of the Affair. <laughs> it feels like we're uh, like sort of belittling the Cider House Rules a little bit. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> you know, when you, you mentioned uh, Tumbleweeds and the War Zone getting their own. <laughs> so we'll see we'll see if that actually plays out we may have to separate this i guess it depends on our thoughts on the end of the affair but i think the cider house rules is probably one of the big ones especially for this oscar season yep and there won't be an oscar season in 2020 so <laughs> you better enjoy the uh, oscar season our, our revisit to the oscar season of 1999 uh, you don't think ben affleck's gonna run away with it competing against you know <laughs> six other movies elizabeth moss and, and ben affleck they're just gonna like <laughs> Go head to head with it, you know, <laughs> from their February releases, and uh, and I do want to point out something. I predicted, I predicted this uh, back in January, 
that Dr. Doolittle would be one of the <laughs> surprise hits of 2020. And to this, to now, it, I believe it is like the, it is the fifth highest grossing movie of the year. Wow. Out of how many, Ben? 20? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and how much money did it still lose being uh, in the top five? Uh, yeah, thankfully we will not be talking about that, but we will uh, attempt to give um, a decent amount of coverage to uh, Michael Caine and his uh, Oscar-winning performance. I think I've got that right. Didn't he win? Yes. Oh, you Ben's princess not happy. of Maine. No, I was trying to do it, Michael. I was like, oh, okay. Good, good night, you princess of Maine, you <laughs> kings of New England, or whatever. It is oh, one okay. of the one of the weird, weirdly quotable movies mm-hmm. yet a lot yeah. of people probably can't place that quote yep well except for my like grandma who like fucking loved this uh so but yes uh most people would not uh i don't think i have any quotes for the end of the affair i don't really remember anything about this except do not call me a pervert i remember the sex scene i think there were like Perf. actual actual bombs going off i think they're having sex <laughs> yeah, you can't say <laughs> you can't no say more. don't call me a pervert and then expect me not to call you a pervert <laughs> like that's you know I expect, you know, some sense of decorum from you, Ben, but never mind. All right, next week, the end of the affair and possibly the Saturday House rules. Or maybe we'll delay it. We'll see. I don't think we'll delay it. Okay. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99. 99